had to be you. Is that men and women can't be friends because the sex part always gets in the way. Hello, romantics. Welcome to It Pod to Be You, the Talk Film Society podcast that's all about falling in love on the big screen. I'm your host, Manish Mather, and each episode I'll be chatting with a guest about one of their favorite romantic comedies from classics to modern hits. My guest today is Daniel Brilliant. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Really excited about our episode today. Uh, it's going to be a really good one. Um, would you like to introduce the film for us? So we're going to be talking about Some Like It Hot, the uh, Billy Wilder classic from 1959, often considered the greatest comedy of all time, actually, by many publications. Yeah, definitely a classic, one that I've seen a number of times uh, and have enjoyed very much. I'm so, so excited to talk to you about this film. Uh, What's your history with the film? Like, when did you first see it and how has it become one of your favorites? Well, actually, uh, I first encountered this film when I was in college taking a course called American Culture and Film. And... And we watched uh, two Wilder films. We watched this and Double Indemnity, which is quite a double feature. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> but uh, this one was specifically used to talk about uh, gender and sexuality in film, especially during the production code era, which this came at the tail end of. So mm-hmm. it was very interesting to watch it with that context. And also, this was my first ever Marilyn Monroe film, so... So it introduced me to her, and we will definitely get into her on this episode. But uh, and also my first Wilder film. So like this is a real gateway to classic Hollywood for for anybody who's interested in it. And and you know I watched. Um, so the funny thing is, the first time I watched it, I had a horrible case of bronchitis. Oh no! And so and this is like considered one of the funniest movies ever made. And I was like hysterically trying to laugh but all that was coming out was wheeze <laughs> oh my god that sounds so that's that's so that sounds so painful but also what a funny story though uh, but yeah <laughs> yeah in, in in the years since then I've, i mean for this podcast i've actually watched it twice because we were originally going to record an earlier date and then moved it to today so i've gotten very reacquainted with it so i've now seen the film three times overall and uh, every time i notice something new yeah, this is one of those movies that I think uh, gets better and better every time you watch it. Um, I've seen it a number of times myself, and I remember when I first saw it, it was also in a college class. I think I was taking a class on, um, I think I was either taking a class on like genre, like a film class on genre, or a film class about like comedy specifically, and I can't remember which one that I watched this movie in, but... Um, I remember, I remember actually enjoying it, but not really getting why it was one of the best comedies ever. And, you know, when a movie comes with that label, you're kind of, there's always a lot of, you know, a lot of burden on the, on, on its shoulders to live up to that title. But I think as I've seen it more and more, I've come to appreciate it more and more. And, um, you know, having done more research on the film, on, you know, getting better acquainted with Billy Wilder and, you know, Tony Curtis, Jack Lemmon, and of course, Marilyn Monroe, it's, 
it's, it's, you know, it, when, you know, when Criterion released the Blu-ray, uh, I guess a number of years ago, I was like, I'm just going to buy it because it seems like a movie that I should have on my shelf, even if I don't like love it. But then I've watched it, I think two or three times with that Blu-ray and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, there's no other movie. I mean, it's like, there's no other movie like it, even though there are a lot of movies that have a similar premise, but it just feels this one just has this like energy to it. And, uh, really just everyone is kind of working at their top, you know, at the top of their game. Yes. And, um, not just Marilyn, which, uh, of course we will discuss how great <laughs> she is in this, but, yeah. uh, Jack Lemon in particular is just hysterical in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's your, what's your familiarity with, uh, with Jack Lemon prior to this, or in addition to this movie? Well, actually, this is the only thing I've seen him in. I, I need to see more. I know I need to see The Odd Couple. I know I need to see, like, Save the Tiger. I know I need to see Missing. So, so like, I mean, he's definitely one of those actors that you have to catch up on because he did so much work. But, I mean, even with this being my only reference point for him, he's incredible. Oh, I mean, and I forgot to mention, the next Wilder film, The Apartment, which might be his, like, signature role. Yeah. So, so, uh... But, like, as an intro to Lemon, I'd say this is a very good intro for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, he plays, uh, you know, Jerry, a.k.a. Daphne, who I think is probably one of the most fascinating characters in in the film. uh, Because um, I think he's the one that stays in the disguise, you know, the most. Um, And, you know, I was reading this article about this movie uh, saying that Daphne is a like like a, it was like a trans reading of this movie and how you know um Joe is just a guy dressing up as a as a woman but that there's like a yeah you know, there's like a trans interpretation of Daphne because of you know how she chooses her name and how you know she is like um becomes like the most comfortable in the like the disguise and all this it was a really interesting article um and I think Jack Lemon does a really terrific job of like playing like playing a woman not like kind of as a caricature but like almost as like a, another character you know like there's like a he does a really interesting balance there of like he doesn't just make it like you know um like oh haha I'm in a dress but there's like he actually plays a character as Daphne and I thought that was really really great um and the scene in particular I think that stands out is where is where Daphne first meets Osgood yeah <laughs> when they first arrive in Florida and Joe E Brown as Osgood gets real grabby <laughs> and <laughs> and it's really interesting to see like that depiction of sexual harassment in 1959 which I mean I really admire Wilder for going there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. And, you know, you um, watched this class, or you watched this movie in the gender sexuality class. Like, what was, like, a takeaway from, if you remember, from that, like, from that reading of the film or from that, looking at it from that lens? Well, I mean, of course, the ending was something we discussed, which, yeah. I mean, is one of the most famous aspects of the film, as well as just the way that Daphne slash Jet. Jerry uh, seemed very comfortable in. I'll just use there just to be, to, because it's not really clear at the end of the film which way Jerry Daphne is leading. So right. in their disguise. Right. So, yeah. 
So that was interesting to discuss, and also just the way that drag itself was in the Hayes Code. Like, this movie essentially smashed the Hayes Code to bits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie comes out in 1959, and... Um, I think this was definitely a turning point for the Hayes Code, for sure. I mean, I think it, by the mid-60s, it's when it's completely, I think, irrelevant. And this movie did def- did have a, um, a played a significant role, as we were saying, in smashing it, because this movie is so racy and sexy and funny, and um, there's just, like, the innuendos are flying fast, and there's all these implications, and, yeah, it's a really... Um, yeah, it's a really it's a really important movie, and uh, I uh, it, it's I, th- I think because it's such a like breezy comedy and one that's been sort of referenced so much, it's hard to well at least for me it's hard to remember just like how groundbreaking it was, right? Because like I mean, a movie like this, you know, we have seen so many movies like this, like you know Mrs. Doubtfire and you know other stuff like that, but. You know, it's hard to remember that, like, this was totally, like, almost unheard of at the time. I mean, and also, like, you could say this film probably inspired the TV show Bosom Buddies. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And another thing is, uh, Tony Curtis was also one of the stars of the day, and it's interesting to hear him talk about his, his how difficult he was it was to work with Marilyn, because infamously, Marilyn was doing the method acting of the Strasbourg school at the time. And she asked for dozens of takes and they had to do a ton of takes of them kissing. And a famous quote from Tony Curtis was him saying that kissing Marilyn was like kissing Hitler because of the number of retakes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, it's so funny how, like, nowadays, like, doing a million takes is, like, a mark of, you know, of, like, a badge of honor for some of these filmmakers and actors, you know, like, Fincher and, um, you know, all those, Nolan, all those guys, like, you know, they all, like, take so many takes and it's, like, such a, like, mark of prestige, but, like, back then, um, you know, Man Monroe's doing it and everyone's sort of, like, dragging her for it, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I really love Tony Curtis in this movie as well, and he's so, like, uh, I mean, he's also playing, like, he's playing, like, three different characters here. He's playing, you know, himself, Joe, he's playing, like, the millionaire, and he's playing uh, Josephine, and, you know, I think he is such a, like, um, he's such a good way with doing, uh, like, physical comedy and uh, playing, like, especially when he's playing the millionaire, like, I really love that scene on the yacht, you know, when he's, like, trying to convince uh, Mel Monroe um, that he's, like, impotent, but he wants to, like, get married to the person who can cure him. So it's, like, there's really kind of funny, like, um, like physical comedy with him on the yacht, and, you know, he's really good at the dialogue delivery, and uh, he's, you know, he, they're, they're both playing off each other so well. It's such a, like... Um, yeah, it's such a good scene, and yeah, I really love Tony Curtis. I mean, I like I like Tony Curtis a lot. You know, he's like I'm a big fan of his. And also, you can see where he rubs off on his daughter in a lot of her mannerisms. Yeah, yeah, that's so true, right? Yeah, they both kind of have. They're both so like they use their bodies well. You know, when they're doing comedy. I mean, even when Jeremy Curtis isn't doing comedy, but like when she's doing like horror, like drama and stuff, like. 
she's so in command of her of her body and I yeah, Tony Curtis definitely uh doesn't definitely has that as well. But also, I mean, I think we should also just bring up that this movie has a very interesting like story structure. Yeah. Because it's st- like you hear romantic comedy and the way it starts, it's a gangster film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, it's interesting that, um, like, this is one of those movies for me that has, like, the, you know, the premise is, like, on the poster, right? Which is, like, two men dressing up as women. And then, you know, to, but, like, to get to that point, they had to set up this whole plot and kind of make it more, like, convincing, I guess, that they're, you know, like, just, like, set up the reason why they're doing it. And uh, I feel like in my in the, my memory of this movie, that part is always longer than it is. But it's actually like not that much. It's it kind of happens very quickly. I feel like, and you know, it's, and then like as soon as they're on that train, you know, then, um, you know, then everything smooths sailing. You kind of forget about the monster plot until the end, and then, uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's like you don't you don't even know like. Like I could imagine, like seeing this movie for the first time without knowing anything about it, where you like don't even know, um, like what kind of movie you're watching, which I think is really, really exciting. Yeah, and then like the way that like Tony Curtis and Jack Lemmon aren't even introduced on a money shot; they're introduced as like part of a background. That's just an interesting way to introduce your two protagonists. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I guess yeah, that's interesting because like. They are just kind of like random nobodies. I mean, they're not like you know what I mean. Like they're just like they kind of like fall into the story. You know, they're not like in some ways they're kind of they're not passive, but they're definitely like reacting to something. And so it's like cool that this it starts off that way, um, and then they kind of get like thrown into this mob story, and then thrown into this romance where they're just kind of like reacting and figuring out what to do next and how to keep up all their disguises. And the first real, like the first real great comedic sequence is the entire sequence on the train yeah. where, where they, they meet sugar played by Marilyn Monroe and they, uh, they're fault. They're like head over heels in love with her. And then like they deal with the, uh, the alcohol situation because it's in the twenties. So prohibition. So like they have to be really sneaky about it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the whole thing where uh, Jerry Daphne is trying to seduce Sugar without her knowing, and then it ends up causing a party in the train. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, what this movie does really well with its, like, you know, cross-dressing plot is, like, it's, um, it, it does a really interesting job of, like, um, showing these men uh, like having access to this like you know quote unquote like secret world of like women you know because like they would never see women acting like this you know if uh, especially in the twenties right like uh, there there wouldn't be this kind of like you know free like um, like kind of uh, like behavior without the like without like it's like kind of like without having the eyes of men around them so you like they get access to this like whole new thing and you know trying and it's like you know sugar doesn't even pick up on the fact that like she's being you know seduced because she like you know she i don't think she's even you know aware that that's a possibility because why would it be she's with a bunch of women um and um you know they they it's like 
they get, I feel like um, Jerry and Joe just get so like bewildered by <laughs> what they're experiencing, what they're seeing. They like don't even know like how to act. Um, and, you know, Sugar even gets to like, you know, she bears her, uh, you know, she talks to them in a way that she would never talk to them if they were, if she knew they were men, because she's like opening up, you know, her story and telling her all about the, telling them all about her past trouble so like they get closer to her because there's no like threat of like uh you know romance between them and what's interesting to me about Marilyn's performance is this is i just recently watched gentlemen prefer blondes so i feel like this is a nice evolution of that yeah say more about that so i mean in gentlemen prefer blondes she plays like a straight up unrepentant gold digger and in this movie she like she wants to marry a millionaire but like it does it seems more like she wants to love a millionaire than she just wants to marry them for their money so it's interesting how like there's that through line but at the same time there's more of a sincere heart to sugar than there was to Lorelai lee she has this like sadness to her or like this um vulnerability to her and I think that's, you know, inherent to Marilyn Monroe, but I think it's also, like, Sugar is also someone who is just trying to, you know, get by. You know, she wants to find love. She has had a string of bad relationships, and I think she's very aware of how men perceive her. Um, And so she is... uh, Yeah, I I think you're so right. Like, she has such a... There's such a heart to her, and there's such a... um, uh, yeah, like, you know, she wants to love a millionaire, which I think is such a interesting distinction. Yeah, especially, like, I mean, the end of Gentleman Prefer Blonde, she essentially is like, oh, I don't want to marry this guy because I think he's attractive or I love him. I want his father's money. I mean, diamonds are a girl's best friend. That's, like, the whole ethos <laughs> of her character. Yeah. Whereas in this, she's singing, I want to be loved by you. Like, like just the, the dichotomy of those two performances alone shows range in her that I don't think gets talked about enough. Yeah, I mean, I think Marilyn Monroe is, um, she's, well, okay, I'm a little, it's, it's kind of embarrassing for me because, like, when I was growing up, like, there really wasn't much, um, there wasn't much, like, acknowledgement of Marilyn Monroe beyond just, like, being a sex symbol. You know, and, like, the image I had of her was just, like, oh, yeah, she's that sexy kind of bombshell, whatever. You know, like, not that talented, just kind of, like, you know, only played these, like, sexy roles, whatever. And, um, but it was, like, during, you know, when I was in college and, like, watching more of her movies and reading more about her, uh, that's when, you know, of course, I realized that, you know, there's so much depth to her and not just because she had this really tragic life but just because i think she's a smarter actress than i think a lot of people gave credit for at the time and what's interesting was she actually took a hiatus right before making this film after she did the prince and the showgirl because she was trying to focus on having a family and she actually went through a lot of trauma in that hiatus period she had an ectopic pregnancy and miscarriage she had entered she was suffering from endometriosis and she was hospitalized due to her addiction problems. So, 
So she she was going through a lot at this time, but like yeah. she was still able to act through it, and that kind of really impresses me. Yeah, there's you know Marilyn Monroe is always um, there's like a toughness to her, you know, there's a resilience to her, and uh, I think in all of her characters, especially in her most famous movies like this one, Gentleman for a Blonde, Seven Year Itch, uh, How to Be a Millionaire, you know, there's a and there's such a um, yeah, her characters were all survivors. And I think what I find to be so interesting about Marilyn Monroe is how much she's in conversation with her own persona and, like, people's perception of her. And, um, you know, she's there's always something more knowing about, you know, her place, you know, in, you know, in the film and, you know, how the men around her are looking at her, even how the women around her are looking at her. Um, and, uh, like, I think this is especially true of Some Like a Hot and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which I think are her two kind of best movies, uh, best performances as well. Uh, you know, I, I think she has this quality of hers where she's, like, always, um, always, like, a few steps ahead of the audience in terms of, like, uh, her being a sex symbol, and I think she's always kind of playing to that and being a little more, a little, like, sharper, around that because she's really like um my you know my theory or my perception of Marilyn Monroe is that like she I don't think she really I think she liked playing the like role of movie star but that was this wasn't her naturally I think she I feel like she was always a misfit or she felt like a misfit um and uh but she was able to like turn on the like glamour and I think people mistook that for her actual personality and so they like misused her and you know as we as you know as you know as the stories about the prince of the showgirl and some like it hot you know and and all these other movies that she's been in where like everyone's kind of waiting on her and stuff like um i think she is just you know trying really hard but you know she's also like She's under the burden of being, you know, capital M Marilyn, capital M Monroe all the time. Yep. And it's it's just interesting that I, I've learned so much about her in the last week or so in prep for this. And yeah. she is so much more, like, complex and fascinating than anyone ever gives her credit for. Yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, like, I was trying to think of, like, kind of, like, modern-day, like, sex symbols who kind of have that same quality to her. And, like... You know, I think, like, you know, Angela Jolie is one, of course. Scarlett Johansson definitely has that same Marilyn Monroe quality to her, especially in the 2000s. Um, I mean, she kind of grew out of that when she went to the MCU. But, um, and I think all the, like, I think there are so many actors who have taken, who, like, are in conversation with, you know, their sex symbol status. Um, but I think Marilyn Monroe is the one that, like, because her, um, because of her tragic death, which was, like, so early in her life, uh, she never got a chance to, like, fully realize her potential. I mean, she realized her potential. She's been brilliant in so many movies. But, like, she never got a chance to, like, see the other side of that and to, like, grow into, like, her talents and to, like, um, really, like, change the media's perception of hers. Uh, I think if she had lived longer, she might have been able to do that. But, um, yeah, fascinating. And... You know, I really love her performance in this movie. What are your summer fe- What are some of your favorite moments with Marilyn Monroe in in this movie? I mean, whenever she sings, she's magnetic. I think yeah. it's underrated how good of a singer she was. 
Yeah. She had that husky alto that, like, added to her sex appeal. And, and like, just the way that she composed herself when she sang, she was able to... I mean, as many people have said, she was, like, sex-embodied, and her voice added to that. And... And, like, especially during the musical numbers where she's wearing those beautiful Ori Kelly gowns. But also, again, whenever she's with Tony Curtis as the uh, as the sailor, she she oozes on her romantic charm and shows shows how she can develop chemistry with a man so quickly. Yeah, magnetic is the word that you used, and I think that's really one of the best words for her because she just has this, like, quality to her. And you just can't take your eyes off her. And, um, you know, I think, I think that, like, with an actor like her, we want to say, oh, it's just her natural charm. But I think that's really underselling her, um, her abilities. And, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think her singing voice is totally, like, it's just so, like, it's so sexy. And not in, like, a, like, a leery way, but just, like, she just has that, like, appeal. And, um, you know, I think she's really good at physical comedy as well. And, um, you know, like I said, the scene on a yacht is like my favorite, one of my favorite moments. And also the scene on the beach is really great too. And she just had like, just her way with her dialogue is like, just, yeah, she just has this like, you know, this quality to her that she can kind of make you laugh or make you like just like smile with just how she says her lines, even if they're not like quote unquote jokes. But like she makes them a joke. Oh, I'm terribly sorry. I'm You're not hurt, are you? I don't think so. I wish you'd make sure. Why? Because usually when people find out who I am, they get themselves a wheelchair, a shyster lawyer, and sue me for three quarters of a million dollars. Don't worry, I won't sue you no matter who you are. Thank you. Who are you? No, really. Sugar! Come on! Honestly. Cheerio. Haven't I seen you somewhere before? Not very likely. You staying at the hotel? Not at all. The face is familiar. Possible you've seen it in the newspapers or magazines, um, Vanity Fair. That must be it. Would you mind moving just a little, please? You're blocking my view. Your view of what? They run up a red and white flag on the yacht when it's time for cocktail. You own a yacht? Which one is it? The big one? Certainly not. With all the unrest in the world, I don't think anybody should have a yacht that sleeps more than 12. I quite agree. Tell me, who runs up that flag? Your wife? No, my flags do it. Who mixes the cocktails? Your wife? No, my cocktails do it. Look, if you're interested in whether I am married or not... Oh, I'm not interested at all. Well, I'm not. That's very interesting. How's the stock market? Up, up, up. I bet while we were talking, you made like $100,000? Could be. Uh, you play the market? No, the ukulele. And I sing, too. For your own amusement? A bunch of us girls are appearing at the hotel. Sweet Sue and her society syncopators. Oh, your society girl. Oh, yes, quite. You know, Bryn Moore, Vassar. We're just doing this for a lark. Syncopators. Does that mean you play that very fast music, uh, jazz? Yeah, real hot. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess some like it hard. I personally prefer classical music. Oh, I do, too. As a matter of fact, I spent three years at the Sheboygan Conservatory of Music. Good school. 
And your family doesn't object to your career. They do indeed. Daddy threatened to cut me off without a cent. But I don't care. It was such a bore, you know, coming out parties. Inauguration balls. Opening of the opera. Riding to hound. And always the same 400. You know, it's amazing we never ran into each other before. I'm sure I would have remembered anybody as attractive as you are. You're very kind. Mm. I'll bet you're also gentle and helpless. I beg your pardon. You see, I have this theory about men who wear glasses. What theory? I'll tell you when I get to know you better. <laughs> what are you doing tonight? Tonight? I thought maybe you could come to the hotel and hear us play. Uh, I would like to, but that would be rather difficult. Why? Uh, I only come ashore twice a day when the tide goes out. Oh. It's on account of these shells. That's my hobby. You collect shells? Yes, yeah, so did my father and my grandfather. You might say we had a passion for shells. That's why we named the oil company after it. Shell oil? Please, no names. Just call me Junior. Sugar! Sugar! Come on, dear, it's time to change for dinner. Run along, Daphne, dear. I'll catch up with you later. Oh, okay. No! What is it, young lady? What are you, you... staring at? This happens to me all the time in public. I recognize him, too. His picture was in Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair! Would you mind moving along, please? Yes, you're in his way. He's waiting for a signal from his yacht. His yacht? It sleeps 12. This is my friend Daphne. She's a Vassa girl. I'm a what? Or was it Bryn Moore? I heard a very sad story about a girl who went to Bryn Moore. She squealed on her roommate, and they found her strangled with her own bezier. Yes, we have to be very careful whom we pick for a roommate. Hmm? Well, I think I'd better be going. It was delightful meeting you both. You, you will come and hear us play. If it's at all possible. Oh, do come. Don't disappoint us. It'll be such fun. And bring you yacht. Come on, Jeffrey. And then I also want to go back to Joey Brown as Osgood. Like yeah, every yeah. T- every time him and Jack Lemmon share a scene in this movie, I'm I'm belly laughing. Yeah. Um He's really good because, like, he's one of he's kind of like one of my favorite like character types from like old Hollywood movies where like you know these sort of like nerdy rich guys are like babyish you know or like mama's boys or you know mama's boys like rich guys like I think it's such a funny character and like he's so great with it and um, you know you were saying earlier about the like sexual harassment part of it in 1959 like I think it's it's so. Like, this movie strikes that balance of, like, you know, you're, like, you know, we're seeing this through, um, you know, Daphne's eyes of it's, like, okay, it's, like, it's creepy, it's invasive, but it's also funny. Like, they, like, Billy Wilder is able to, like, capture that, like, balance and, like, make it both where, like, we're, it's, like, we, in some ways the joke is kind of on, you know, on, it, the joke is on us, or it's on Osgood, I mean, because, like, he doesn't know what he's, you know, he doesn't know what he's, like, dealing with, and that, you know, Daphne can take care of herself, um, and that, like, but it's also, like, Daphne or Jerry seeing for the first time, like, the joke is kind of on Jerry as well, like, he's seeing for the first time that, like, the behaviors that he probably does with women all the time, like, is not being done to him and he doesn't like it. So, um, like, I think that's, like, this, again, this movie is so much, this movie is so smart in how it, like, shows all this, like, gender stuff, 
right? But like kind of with like with a little wink, a lot of humor, but like it gets a point across. And I think doing this, yeah, 1959 seems like revolutionary almost. In fact, like I don't, you know, I feel like every, uh, I feel like a lot of comedies could take a lesson from this movie. <laughs> and like the sequence where it's cutting between uh, Sugar and and uh, Joe on the boat and. Daphne and Osgood doing the tango is just expertly edited comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the editing. I mean, like, we haven't really talked about this movie, like, in terms of its, like, filmmaking, but, like, what like what are your takeaways of, like, this movie just, uh, like, the execution, Billy Wilder's direction, the music, stuff like that? I mean, it, it's very much, it very much is a lavish production film. I, I mean, it got uh, six Oscar nominations, I believe, and it deserved every single one of them and probably a Best Picture nomination, too. And also, I mean, Marilyn should have been nominated for Best Actress. That's just it, The fact that Marilyn Monroe never got an Academy Award nomination just shows you how little Hollywood thought of her and just did not value her, whereas other actresses of her time got nominated for comedic performances like Audrey Hepburn all the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they... I, I mean, honestly, I don't even think that, like, she would have even been, like, in the, like, conversation, to be honest. Like, I don't even think that people were thinking about her in terms of, like, this is acting. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I mean, I don't know. I, have, you know. I wasn't alive then, obviously. But I just, I have this, like, image, I guess, or just, like, this, this idea at that time where it was just, like, they just thought of her as like the sexy, you know. It's kind of like, um, oh god, what's her uh, like a Megan Fox type, you know, where like, you know, people saw Jennifer's body, they thought Jennifer or uh, Megan Fox was like, you know, this hot thing and like whatever, not that good. And then it took like years later for people to realize what a brilliant performance that is and what a terrific actor Megan Fox is and could be. I think it's the same. I don't, you know, I, I don't even think that, like, you know, Audrey Hepburn came onto the scene, to use her example, of, like, you know, she did comedies, but she was a serious actor in those comedies. Um, but I just don't think that people had that image of Marilyn Monroe. And I agree with you. I think she should be nominated for this and for Gentlemen for Blondes. And it's crazy that, like, she never got any kind of awards attention. And I think, you know, she was striving for that, and maybe not for the award, but she was driving for like respect and prestige as an actor throughout her whole career, and then she never got it until years and years and years after her death. And what's interesting is um, the person she beat for the Golden Globe that year, Doris Day, for Pillow Talk, made the Academy Awards over her. Yeah, but even Doris Day has this like, you know, I mean, that's she's playing a very serious character in Pillow Talk. I mean, she's funny, but like. She's a, you know, she's a, like an adult woman in, in, in the way that Marilyn Monroe kind of has this like childishness to her. But I agree with you. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's very, um, yeah, I think it's very, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's really annoying that, you know, that this kind of performance did not get uh, awards attention. Um and what's interesting is we have Maria Bakalova at the Oscars this year, and yeah. you can draw a direct line from Marilyn Monroe and Some Like It Hot to Maria Bakalova and Borat in many ways. So I've not seen Borat yet. 
Um, I was waiting ah. for the Oscar nomination to watch it, um, and I still have not. So could you expand on that? Well, I mean, well, it's not exactly the same, but, like, Maria goes from unglamorous to glamorous, but she uses physicality and her and her her exotic beauty to yeah. to its advantage in the yeah, film. Yeah. And like her character is portrayed and objectified in a way that becomes comedic. So so that's where I draw the line. It's more of the objectification and the uh, use of use of her femininity as a comedic. Yeah, as a comedic yeah, tool. yeah. Totally. I totally see that. Yeah. Very cool. And when I'm, you see the yeah. movie, you'll understand what I, I mean. Yeah, so. I'm really excited to see it. I, you know, I'm not really a Borat guy, um, but you know, when you know when a movie like that gets like awards attention and sparks my interest, especially for this like unknown in the U.S. actress, you know, that's um, that's like exciting to me that like this comedic performance that's from a someone that I've never heard of um, gets the nomination. So I'm definitely going to watch it, um, and I, I, I'm excited to do so. Um, and I can I can see how, you know, there's a comparison to Marilyn Monroe. Um, definitely, uh, I, I do want to talk about the um, the s- cinematography as well, which was done by uh, Charles Lang, a very uh, famous cinematographer of the era. He won the Oscar for Farewell to Arms, which is a beautiful movie, one of the most like tender romances I've ever seen. But he's also done really great work um, in movies like The Ghost of Mrs. Muir, um, Sudden Fear, Sabrina, Speaking of Audrey Hepburn, um, Separate Tables, Bob and Carol, Ted and Alice, How the West Was Won. I mean, he's a great cinematographer. um, And uh, I really love his work in this movie. Considering this movie is black and white, like, it feels colorful. Like, you can just, like, I can just, like, you know, it just has this like vivacity to it, right? And um, there's such a like playfulness in the camera work, especially like you know um, the like the scenes on the Miami beach and in the hotel, and uh, you can just like this movie feels so like it just this, his work on this movie just makes it like jump off the screen in a in in a way that feels really modern. You know, in a way that's really kind of exciting, and uh, I think that is also that that's a big part of why this movie has held up for you know over sixty years. Yeah, and what's interesting is actually they shot the hotel at the famous Del Coronado, which is in California and not in Florida, and they essentially had to remake it to look like 1920s Miami. And that's probably how it got a production or art direction nomination, yeah. which is very warranted. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I did not know that. Well, I guess I didn't. Well, yeah, I don't think I remember that that was shot in California. But because, like, honestly, it felt it feels like Florida. Like, even if, like, it just feels like, you know, that kind of Florida resort. So, yeah, the production design was beautifully done and. Um, I also wanted to give a, um, you know, just give a shout out to the costume design as well. Ori uh, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Marilyn Monroe Oscar. looks beautiful, but also the dresses that, um, that Daphne and Josephine wear, like, 
they're like matronly but kind of like still a little like sexy <laughs> you know absolutely yeah so and, really yeah, really great work there too and um, what i commend ori kelly on in this film especially is allowing marilyn's body to do a lot of the talking with a lot of the costumes that, that's what really makes these these costumes work right uh, i yeah i totally agree um, so I know that you've seen uh, Double Indemnity, but um, in terms of Billy Wilder, what else have you seen? What do you, you know, do you like him as a filmmaker? I mean, of course you like something like it hot, but like, you know, um, what's your kind of, what are your feelings around Billy Wilder? Well, actually, the only other Wilder film I've seen is Sabrina, which I also like. So yeah. I, Actually, I also watched The Seven Year Itch. My bad. So those are the four. <laughs> yeah yeah um i you know i really do recommend uh the apartment uh that's a like um that's another i mean that's definitely a, a romantic comedy as well but one that is it's like very dark winner. yeah best picture winner um and uh but it's a really dark romantic comedy and in some ways like it's almost the like mirror of some like it hot in the way that like the apartment is very much a new york movie it's very much like in small apartments and everyone's kind of like sad and making bad decisions and um and uh in some like it hot which is like in florida it's very sunny it's very like everyone's kind of just having a ball um but you know but the central romances in the film are you know, kind of, like, interesting to pair together because I think that they, um, there's such a, like, you know, the sort of the physical comedy and the, um, you know, the, like, physicality of the romance in Some Like It Hot is, like, contrasted to the romance in The Apartment, which is, like, really dark and soulful and melancholy, so... I recommend you um, you see that when you get the chance. Uh, and of because... course, I also want to check out The Lost Weekend and Sunset Boulevard when I get the chance, because Lost Weekend, another Best Picture winner, and Sunset Boulevard is, of course, one of the most acclaimed films ever made. So, And I know yeah. early Wilder was a lot different than later Wilder, because he, he was a lot more focused on like noir and serious drama yeah, early yeah. in his career, and then transitioned to comedy. Yeah. Um, Sunset Boulevard is my favorite Billy Wilder movie. Um, so I definitely, definitely recommend that as well. It is, uh, I think it's like one of the best movies ever made. Uh, so yeah, um, totally lives up to its acclaim. Um, uh, yeah. And uh, Double Indemnity, yeah, I love that as well. And I, I think what I... What I like about Billy Wilder is like he's he's a he dabbles in genres a lot. Like yeah, he did a lot of noir and stuff, and he was like very instrumental in developing sort of like um, the like the aesthetic. He was well not instrumental, but like he you know he kind of codified a lot of noir with Double Indemnity. Like that's sort of like an archetype of, of noir. Um, you know, one of the best femme fatales ever in Barbara Stanwyck. 
Uh, and then he goes into comedies and stuff, and he still has the like same sophistication that he had in noir. Like his filmmaking is just as precise. Like in *Some Like It Hot*, it's very like he's such a like controlled hand behind the camera. Um, and uh, it's so he it's like he's just so good at just like dipping into genres and kind of feeling out what you know what he what what he likes about those genres and how he can play with them. And also, uh, comparing this to The Seven Year Itch, which I also recently watched, I think this is a significant step up in, yeah. from that, although I think that film is quite funny in its own way. More in, the, more in how dated it is. It has unintentional 50s humor, but... <laughs> <laughs> so, I remember when I first saw The Seven Year Itch, I remember being, like, so, like, so weirded out by how casual the, like, infidelity is. Like, it's just expected that, like his wife will go away for the summer and he'll just, like, have an affair and that's just, like, what happens. Or, like, or at least, like, what... I mean, it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, so forgive me if I'm misremembering it. Uh, and correct me, but it just seems so just, like, this is just what happens. And so I remember... I don't I don't think I love The Seven Year Itch. Like, I love Sound Like It Hot, definitely. I think it's... For me, it's, like, kind of, like, the middle of the pack for Billy Wilder. I definitely can see how there's a step up there. And I think especially in how he's using Marilyn Monroe. Like, I feel like in that movie, she's she's good in it, if I remember, but she's not really a character, right? She's kind of like a fantasy. Yeah, and there's a lot of fantasy sequences. I mean, it's really... Yeah. That's, really to- that's really Tom Ewell's movie. Uh, yeah. With Marilyn playing, like, the. I mean, in a weird way, she's like a comedic femme fatale in that movie. Mm, interesting, yeah. I... Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, and of course, that's where the famous uh, subway sequence comes from. Yeah, you know what? That scene is so famous, but then sometimes I remember that, like, oh, who was it? Uh, one of her husbands, I think it was Joe DiMaggio, like. Joe DiMaggio really, beat the living like, crap out yeah, of her after for that. Scene. And so, like, it's hard for me to see people, like, reference that, like, on, like, other TV shows or movies, because it just reminds me of that. And, um,. Yeah, like, like yeah, Marilyn Monroe has such a, like, her life is just so, like, so sad. I mean, you know, you and I both listened to Queen of Longworth's miniseries on her, you more recently than I did. I don't think I've listened to her for a number of years, but, like, that miniseries on You Must Remember This, like, really opened my eyes to, like, her life and just, like, what a talent she was and what a, like, survivor she was. I mean, in, Everywhere in her life, there was some kind of trauma or tragedy or disappointment, and yet she was able to like give us these like hilarious performances. Absolutely, and and I think that again, uh, some like it hot and gentlemen prefer blondes are probably two of the best uses of her. Yeah, um, I just watched The Misfits the other night. I think that's an interesting departure. Whereas I I didn't love that movie. I probably wouldn't need to give it another watch because I don't know if I was in the right mindset, but. I think something like The Misfits, I mean, be, that being her last film, it's sad because it feels like she could have gone more into genres other yeah. than comedy and done yeah. well with it. She's one of those, like, you know how actors are, you know how people are always saying, like, oh, that guy is a character actor stuck in a, you know, movie star's body. I feel like Marilyn Monroe could have grown into that or, like, developed into that as she goes into... Like, if you were to go more into genre, 
Um, and uh, she like there. I feel like she had potential to really like stretch herself and because um, I, I think I've seen have I seen the Misfits or Monkey Business one of the, I can't remember which one but I remember seeing you know another movie of hers where oh no there's a movie where she plays like a babysitter who that's not like, bother to knock yeah yeah I've seen that too and like that was she's really young and I'm, like that was like before she was Marilyn Monroe but like it would have been so cool to see her do that or like go into like do like a double indemnity type role um, so I think she she would have pulled it off, you know. She would have been terrific in it. Um, and like she was also in All About Eve, and like yeah. imagine her playing like Betty Davis in All About Eve or something. Yeah, exactly. Like that. Right, exactly. Like there's it's it's all the more tragic that we lost her when we did because there was so much potential for her. She had the drive for it. She had the ambition for it. And, you know, it's too bad that all of her classic movies have these stories of her, like, you know, not knowing her line. I mean, honestly, it kind of pisses me off that Billy Wilder and the other men in this movie are so dismissive of her and so uncaring. And how, like, you know, there's all these stories about how she had to, like, put her lines in the drawers. And I'm like, come on, Billy. Like, this is Marilyn Monroe. It's so worth it. Like, you know you're going to get what you want from her and that she's going to deliver. So just let it go exactly and and i think that you know this i think that some like it hot was essentially Marilyn's last hurrah in a way like she she got to i mean in terms of no like in terms of box office hits which the misfits was not like in terms of a last hit this is a great way to go out with a hit and it's yeah i mean like this movie being, like, held up as one of the best comedies of all time, like, it really goes to show, like, her legacy, you know? And, um, you know, I, I do want to talk about the ending of this movie, which I think is so, like... I mean, it's... I mean, not just the last line, but the whole last sequence on that on the little boat thing. So funny, like... Um, and... Uh, it's such a, like, it's the perfect little punch to this movie, right? Like, that whole sequence of Daphne being, like, trying to give all these excuses for not marrying Osgood, but, um, you know, then you get the last line, nobody's perfect, and it's like, damn it, that's perfect lines. <laughs> like, and the amazing thing about that line is it was a placeholder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so great. It's so, it's so interesting how, like, yeah, in these improvised lines or these, like, you know, placeholder lines, like, they really, like, it just goes to show sort of, like, the, the magic of being in the moment and going with something that just works. And, yeah, it's really great. So, and, uh, and yeah. of course, just the line delivery is perfect as well. As I said, Joey Brown. Very good in this. Legend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, and, you know, now in, like, 2021 eyes, feels very progressive. <laughs> like, he's just going to roll with it. Uh, we love that. Absolutely. So, Daniel, any final thoughts on Some Like It Hot or Marilyn Monroe? 
Um, I'll just say if you haven't done a Maryland deep dive or mini deep dive, it's very rewarding and you'll come away a lot more impressed by her than you, than you start with. Um, and I would save this one for the end because it's such a treat. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you there. Um, I really like this movie while I prefer, gentlemen prefer blondes in general. Um, I, that's, I mean, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like top, you know, that's like one of the, my favorite favorites. So, uh, I do prefer that movie, but you know, that's not to say that something like a hot is bad or anything. Um, something like a hot is a classic, you know, it's totally lives up to its title of being one of the best comedies of all time. It's very funny. Um, and I think it's like gender stuff is probably like, I won't say it's progressive, but, like, it definitely holds up better than you would think it does for the time period. And um, really funny. Yeah, really great movie. So thank you so much for um, for mentioning it. I'm really glad that we got to talk about it. Um, where can people find you online, and what are you working on these days? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sports 21 and you can find my podcast, which Manish has guested on, yeah. at The Gavrits. On Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, and on wherever you can find podcasts. And uh, that's really what I've been working on. I mean, it's Oscar season, full swing. Uh, so, so been doing podcasts related to the awards and focusing on that. Um, I haven't written much in a while. I have a blog called The Alchemy of Cinema. I have like two articles up there. I really need to get back to it at some point. But um, if you go to my letterbox, which you can just search my name, uh, I did a whole disney series recently i started a ghibli series so i've been doing some animation deep dives uh interrupted the ghibli series to do this maryland work so so i'll get back to that soon but uh, that's what i've been working on awesome you can find me on twitter at the manish 89 that's t-h-e-m-a-n-i-s-h-8-9 also please follow the podcast at ipod3u and remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show to help other people find the show. So the next episode is the 50th episode. So I have something very special and exciting planned for that. So be sure to stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening.